You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Cam Chancellor comes up and just unloads. Number 31, clean his clock. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. Russell has time, fires down the middle. Got his man, Baldwin. He is in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Doug Baldwin again. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to your weekly Seahawks Insider Podcast as we preview the Seahawks game against the New Orleans Saints. I'm Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for the Seahawks, joined by John Boyle from Seahawks.com. And I think, John, we finally figured out kind of what to make of Sunday's game, how to react. We like the tie. It's okay. We it's can, okay. We can we'll, live with it. We'll live with it. All right. Could have been better. Could have been worse. It, that's right. Pretty much what a tie is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is true. And as I tweeted out Sunday on the way home from the game, I fell asleep on that plane ride and uh, woke up. And you know how your your brain is kind of in that in-between state? Yeah. Especially on a plane. And I was trying so hard to remember who won the game, and it just wasn't coming to me because we still, it still hasn't had come not had an outcome. Three yes. days later. Three days later, I am still struggling with that. Well, before we get into this week's matchup and talk specifically about the Saints, let's go back and just kind of dissect – what did we learn from that game on Sunday? We learned the defense is not just good, which we've known for a long time, but really gutty. I mean, to play that well for as long as they did, they were on the field for 95 snaps when you include a few penalties in there, 90 official plays for the Cardinals, and they gave up six points. And that's a darn good offense. And to just stand up over and over again, they had to stop them, keep them out of the end zone twice in overtime. They had a fourth down stop. I mean, it was just... So much great play for a quarter, a game plus a quarter. I think what I appreciated about that most, first of all, I didn't realize what the snap count was until I was reading some of your post-game articles. I don't get final stats on the sideline. So I can see time of possession, mm-hmm. and I know the guys have been out there. It was unbelievable to me to see, like, Kelsey McCray's snap 108 count. snaps when you include special teams. Most of any player in the NFL this year. That's exactly right. And what I loved in watching that defense – I was expecting at some point the fatigue would set in or maybe the quick possession by the offense would be frustrating, right? They couldn't quite catch their breath. Every single time I looked at the defense, their look was just, let's bring it on. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Yeah. All right, here we go. We got this. They, they never back down from the challenge. And I like what you just mentioned about with the offense because it, it would be really easy in a game like that to get mad, get frustrated, be like, hey, help us out. You guys are – you know, we're doing our part. You're not doing yours. You know, and you know what I heard from defensive players after the game? We could have done more. We could have got turnovers. We could have got the ball away and helped the offense get better field position. And they would have had every right to be a little annoyed. that Like, we just played this, you know, historical type performance and walked out of here with a tie because the offense only had five first downs in regulation. But, no, they were just kind of thinking, well, that's more we can do. And that's, I think, kind of one of the cool things about this team is, it's, you know, it sounds corny, but when you hear guys talk about this brotherhood and all that, it really is a pretty unique group, the way they play together. It really is, and it is special when you think about two of the biggest plays in the game for Kelsey McRae making that stop at the five-yard yeah. line. That was play, I think, like 104 he was for o- him. He was over 100 at that yeah. point, and I didn't even realize it at the time. I mean, you know, J.J. Nelson's a kind of quick little receiver. He ran the fastest combine of anyone in 2015, fastest 40 at the combine. Four two eight forty. So you're, I mean, Jeez. Kelsey McCray's no slouch. He's got speed too, but still, to be that late in the game, you've been on the field that much 
one of the fastest guys in the NFL is running for the end zone, and, and to chase him down like that was, was pretty amazing. And given where they were on the field, and this just goes to the resolve of the defense here, because it would have been very easy to kind of just chalk that up as well. This game is over. They're yeah. in field goal you position. You have the let up. And have the let it because I think that's almost what you saw a little bit with the Cardinals defense. They didn't quite have that same kind of finish that we've gotten used to seeing from the Seahawks. And I wonder, John, if some of this doesn't just go back to that San Francisco game that they were so upset about where they didn't finish in the fourth quarter the way they wanted to. We saw it. Not that you can make up for that. This is what they want to look like. Yeah, and they, you know, they talked about that after that game. They even, you know, they won that game comfortably, and most people wouldn't have even really noticed the the yardage and the points they gave up. It really ate at them, and they talked about learning from that and getting better from that. And I think we've seen that since then. Is they've they've been a better finish. I mean, the Atlanta game they had that terrible third quarter, finished really strong. Yeah, and for those wondering, yes, the snap count is awfully high, and it does feel a little bit like a short week, but it's not. The Seahawks did play on Sunday. They got back a little later than originally expected. The guys have been doing a little bit of extra treatment in the form of massages. We heard Bobby talk about uh, hot yoga and getting his Epsom salt baths in Mm -hmm. there, so they're doing some of that. But as um, K.J. Wright said today, Pete has already said that will not be an excuse for anything that happens on Sunday. You better get over it because I do not care how long that game went on Sunday. You've got another one this week. Exactly. They're not, the NFL's not going to say, oh, you guys played really hard. We're going to push your game back to Monday. Yeah, so we'll, we'll just they, give you some extra time. Yeah, this, the cards, are, they're dealt and they're they feel good about the way they've traveled, and they'll, they'll do well. And they probably get a little bit of help on defense this week as it looks like Cam Chancellor could be set to return and Kevin Pierre-Lewis could also be set to return. And injury-wise, a little bit of a mixed bag, I think, coming out of that Arizona game. Yeah, I mean, the good news, Bradley Sal we saw go down, you know, as he was saying to us in the locker room, he was on crutches after the game and all that, and to be – we, you know, Pete Carroll said yesterday it's still pretty unrealistic for him to play, but the fact that it's even on the table and, is, is a possibility. And Bradley sounds like he at least wants to give it a go and see where he's at at the end of the week. And, you know, even if he can't go, the fact that he's remotely close bodes well for the future for them to, to get him back sooner and later. And then the one everyone's going to talk about, obviously, Russell Wilson shows up on the injury report with another injury, his pectoral injury. We we just heard from him. He said he's okay and you know, he's managing it this week. We'll we'll I'm sure we'll see him limited just in the number of throws. But he the good news is we he, he said the injury happened he doesn't know exactly when, but before overtime and then he went out and played the offense was the best it was in overtime. Yeah. That is good. So he's got no concerns about going over the, over going out there again on Sunday and says the plan is for him to play. But he did not look like himself last week. I think even from the beginning, there was a comfort level that wasn't there. Yeah, and I don't know how much that was anything physical. for. I mean, he's been playing through the the knee and the ankle stuff, so I don't think it was anything there. Just Arizona, that's a good defense, and they're doing some really good things in their pass rush to – to make things difficult for the Seahawks. And then, you know, there were just – there were a couple plays – a couple third down plays early where Russell might have been a tiny bit off the mark. And it's one of those, is it a drop? Is it a bad throw? Just kind of in that gray area of the throw could have been better, but the guy could have caught it. And just, you get one or two of those, you sustain a drive. We might be talking about a different story, but instead they just – could not stay on the field, and it turned into a really rough day for the offense. Yeah, and Russell did joke today saying, well, you know, the good news, I know that I landed on the injury report for a different injury, but the good news is 
my ankle feels much better. Yeah, so so yeah. it, perhaps we're going to see him pick up some of those running yards again. It looks like Thomas Rawls could rejoin the team for their Monday night game. And I'm just wondering, when you take a look at those offensive stats, are you concerned about where they are running the ball? Um, not overly concerned. It's not where they want to be right now. I, I do think long-term they're going to find it. I think getting – you know, th- this offensive line is still relatively new playing together as a unit, so they're going to get better. They're going to get Thomas Rawls back eventually, and Russell Wilson is going to become more of a run threat. And you add all that up, I-, I think they've, you know, maybe done enough damage, statistically speaking, that they might they be in one of the top teams by the end of the year rushing. Might not be in the cards for them, but if they finish the year running the ball well and they're going to the playoffs running the ball well, that's what's going to matter because they- – they're still 4-1-1 one, and one in first place. So as much as we talk about the issues they've had running the ball and some of the inconsistencies on third down and whatever else, they're in pretty good shape right now. So if they can get it going, then they could be in great shape when it matters most. And those third downs keep coming up, not just here in this discussion, but it's something that Russell said to the media in his session this week. Pete Carroll noted that. And I want to talk about third downs, but I also want to ask – about the impact of potentially having George Fant start? Because we talked about the injury to Bradley Sowell, and then everybody's asking me, well, what do we know about Fant? <laughs> Not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those where part of you thinks, oh, boy, it's an undrafted rookie. This this could be dicey potentially. But on the other hand, if it works, it's a really cool story because this is a guy, I mean, he didn't play football in high school even, and then he went to college, was a great basketball player, Western Kentucky, all-conference guy decide to switch to football for exactly this reason. He, he knew the kind of athleticism he had could potentially make him an NFL player, and here he is. They're, I mean, he's still going to be raw, but they've been really impressed considering how minimal. I mean, he played one year as a tight end. He was a backup. He barely played in college. They've been so impressed with how quickly he's picked things up and learned, and to the point that they were comfortable putting him in there in a important game, a tie game. And he, you know, he wasn't perfect, but he wasn't, you know, what you would expect an undrafted rookie basketball player to be either. Yeah. You know what this means? If you've got a former tight end in Fant and a former tight end in Gilliam, you could have a lot of tackle eligible plays. You could. Could be fun. There could be some really fun plays. With, that we with see a backup center, field. a fullback, right? Right. That, that's that true. Oh. Yeah. We're, this is some. Some heavy offensive scheme. Daryl Bevel that we should could probably be doing. call us. Yeah, they probably should. Um, when you talk about the run game, here's one of the notes that I made about the Saints defense. And uh, I am curious to see what George Fant looks like if he is the starter this week and what he looks like for four quarters. I think this is probably a good matchup for him against a Saints defense that is not as aggressive as some of those other teams that we've seen in recent weeks. And they've allowed 11 rushing touchdowns this year. That's the most in the NFL. So perhaps. This is kind of good on all fronts to reset and to get going again. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to disparage any NFL defense because, I mean, these are all professionals. They're all good, but some are better than others. and Different this, styles. Yes, and this could be, you know, sort of a get-right situation where I mean, it, it's going to be hard. You go in that building, it's hard to play there. But yes. when you look at the numbers across the board, this is a team that relies more on its offense and its defense to win, and they've given up some yards and some points, and so – it, this this is a good chance for the Seahawks to kind of get get some things cleaned up 
in there. You know, the Saints have nine sacks this year, so this isn't a pass rush nearly as dangerous as some that they've seen already. So there's there's a lot of reasons to think we should see more out of the offense this week. Well, and maybe even more out of Jimmy Graham, who on Sunday was on the field for 97% of the snaps. That's the most that he has been on the field this year. He was also targeted more than any other pass catcher on Sunday. And as you mentioned, the Saints allow over 400 yards of offense a game. And they are last in points allowed, 32 points a game. And how about this? They've given up 34 more points four times this season. Those are even in the games they've won, they're allowing points. So if we kind of put all of these factors together and Jimmy Graham going back to New Orleans, he could find the end zone a couple of times. It stands to reason he could. I mean, I think he's in a position to do that against any team the way he's playing. He's got 23 catches his last four games, I believe. He's... I mean, we're we've really it's been about a month now of seeing what the Seahawks traded a first round pick for. I mean, he it took some time to get going and then he obviously got hurt last year. So it's been, you know, maybe to fans a little disappointing not seeing kind of the returns they were hoping for on that trade. But he's been I mean, maybe not sheer volume wise because the Seahawks don't throw as much as what the Saints did when Jimmy Graham was there. But we're seeing that player. I mean, we're seeing that all pro Pro Bowl level tight end. And we didn't really talk to him more than just kind of a passing high in the locker room. How much do you think this game matters to him? Just yeah. knowing his personality. I, we're hoping maybe we get to hear from him tomorrow about that. But, yeah, I think, you know, it matters. And I don't think it's going to be one of those. Sometimes guys are bitter about their old team and it's like a spiteful thing. I don't think it's going to be that. It there, there was a really good relationship there between Jimmy Graham and that team and that city. Drew Brees talked about that with the media down there today, just how much he's still kind of a, a figure that a lot of fans really care about and like. So I don't think this is going to be one of those fans booing him and he's out to get his old team. I just think it's going to be special for him because he had a lot of big moments and big games in that stadium. And that city means a lot to him. And a lot of those teammates are still there, Drew Brees being among them. So I think it's going to be a pretty cool experience for him. Also means that Max Unger will be playing against his former team. Max Unger has made 22 starts since that trade. He is in the middle of that offensive line, and he is one of the reasons that the Saints' offense works the way it does. That and the fact that Drew Brees is calling the shots and running the show. He is one of the best quarterbacks at just getting the ball out. Yeah, Generating a pass rush against him is going to look very different this week than playing Carson Palmer last week. Exactly. They've allowed nine sacks this season, one of the lowest, I think it's second fewest in the league, and it's some of that is the line. They, they do a good job protecting him, but a huge part of that is just getting the ball up. Pete Carroll talked about that on Wednesday. It's you know, right around two seconds, the, the average time he's getting the ball. It's, I don't care how good your pass rush is. Unless you get a completely unblocked blitzer, you're not getting home in two seconds. So it's you know that's where you've got to be maybe even more aggressive in coverage than you'd usually be because if you just – you know, as Pete Carroll said, if if you sit back, play soft defense, he'll pick you apart. All he'll just take his six eight yards all day long. Which is interesting because when I talked to Deshaun Shedd and Richard Sherman, and I said, okay, so what does that aggressive coverage look like against the Saints differently than what we normally see? And they kind of gave me this look, and they're like, well, I don't know what he's got in mind because. We've been pretty aggressive the last couple yeah. of weeks against it's the Cardinals. It's not really and the their Falcons. nature to sit back and give a 10-yard cushion anyway. So I don't – and maybe that's why we've seen this defense have a lot of success against the Saints because that's that's a style they like to play. They're going to – I mean, look, if, there's something there on every play, and if they check down little stuff in the middle, they're going to get some completions. But as we've seen out of this defense, when they're on top of things, they're going to hit you hard when you catch that in the middle of the field, and you're not going to get much. 
Yeah, and I think that uh, you really start to see that later in the game. So if the yards happen in the first half of the game, which I believe the Saints have scored a touchdown on the opening drive in every game this season. They have also scored in 14 consecutive quarters. I'm curious to see what the Seahawks defense does, particularly late in this game, because thanks in part to the points allowed last week, they are still tops in the league yeah, in points allowed. Yeah, uh, I mean, they're, uh, they've got a long way to go, but if they could keep that up, that would be five straight years but of being tops in the league. I love what KJ told us today in the locker room. You know, like, you could do this once, but the real joy for them is doing this over and over yeah. again. And I've talked to some players about that, and it's kind of interesting. What made me first go there was the opposite side of it. Pete Carroll was talking about Drew Brees, and he said – what a great player is, is, you know, I don't really consider a guy great until he's done it over and over. I mean, any team, any player can have one good year. We see a defense every year pop up and be in the conversation with the Seahawks for the best defense, but they've been in that conversation now for four and a half seasons. And there's no reason to think they won't be next year and the year beyond that. Cause the nucleus of that defense, they're all in their twenties. I mean, other, other than the two pass rushers, Mike Bennett and Cliff Averill, who are both, you know, right around 30. I don't have the roster in front of me, but they're right around that age. All those other guys are, you know, 28 and younger. So it's the the consistency with which they've done it, the discipline that they play with, it's pretty remarkable, especially in an era where so much favors offense. Yeah. Yeah, and Richard Sherman has pointed that out. Week has after he? Week. No, I've never heard that. It's, he's not very opinionated, but every <laughs> once in a while he shares one. Last item on my list, because I've gotten a few questions about it this week, special teams, any concern with where they are and with Hauschka? No, I mean, he's missed a couple, and they've been different. I mean, we saw a couple weeks ago it was kind of a snap issue that messed up the timing. For what Pete Carroll talked about this, for whatever reason, he struggled in Arizona. And so I think, you know, one of those weird, funky yeah. things. And I don't know if it, it's, it could be a physical thing, a mental thing. I mean, maybe I don't, I haven't talked to Steven about it, but may, maybe one time he slipped on that turf two years ago and it's gotten in his head. Who knows? But they don't play there again this year. So they don't really need to worry about that. And I mean, it, his body work is way too good to worry too much about a tiny little bump in the road. And so is his demeanor. You know, yeah. he's one of those ones when he it's, kicks the game winner, you want to talk to him, but you kind of don't want to talk to him because he's never going to show that he's super well, excited about kicking the game winner. And that's what you want out of a kicker, isn't it? I, I know. Mean, that's, it's perfect. You don't want a guy who's going to be riding the highs and lows of that job because if you can't get too down when that happens, I don't care how good a kicker is. If you're in the NFL this long, you're going to miss a game winner. You're going to miss a clutch kick. It's just, it's going to happen, and he's the kind of guy he's got the demeanor to bounce back from that. Yeah, I would agree. And I would predict um, probably more points on the board this week than twelve in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, I think between both that's, teams, that's probably, probably safe. Be more, yeah. Which means bold it, prediction, Jen. Yeah, well, thank you. Sometimes I go out on a limb, you know, and that means that John Boy will have much more to write about, or lots of different things to write about this week on Seahawks.com. That's where you can find all of the coverage leading up to, and of course about the game. Make sure that you tune into the game on Sunday on the Seahawks Radio Network. I'll be uh, on the sidelines along. With Steve Rabel and Warren Moon, and we will join you back here next week for another edition of Seahawks Insider.